Hey, we are finishing up our series this morning called uh, Ghost Stories. We've been studying through the book of, of Acts and seeing the, the power and the movement of the Holy Spirit through the book of Acts. And my lesson this morning is called, Are You Out of Your Mind? Some people think that when you start connecting with the Holy Spirit that you must be out of your mind. But I'm going to show you here in a little bit that that's the way God intended for it to be. All right. Hey, if you want to uh, pull out your Bible or your iPad or your phone, whatever you want to use, we're going to be taking our scripture from Acts chapter 10 this morning. If you don't have a Bible with you, that's okay. The scriptures will be up here on the screens. Back in the first part of the last century, there was a man named John G. Lake who had a very, very strong healing and miracle anointing. And in fact, uh, in his hometown of Spokane, Washington, they set up what they called healing rooms where people would come almost as if they were going to the doctor. People would come in and wait for an appointment and they would go into these healing rooms to be prayed for. And in about a 10-year span, there were over 100,000 documented, verifiable healings and miracles. Now, the, the local doctors and scientists from the area started to wonder what was going on, and they believed that there had to be a scientific explanation for what was going on. So they actually came to Mr. Lake and asked if they could observe what he was doing. And he said, absolutely. So the, the day that they showed up, he told them, hey, go back to your hospitals and you choose a man doesn't matter who it is, and you bring him here to me and we'll pray over him and we will see what the Lord will do. So they went and they got a man who had an incurable, inoperable disease and they brought him to, to Mr. Lake. Now this disease was not only on the inside of his body eating away, but it was on the outside of his body eating away. So it was, it was easy to observe what was going on. And Mr. Lake had the doctors and the scientists uh, set up all of their equipment and they begin to observe this man. He said, can you see through your microscopes or whatever they were using, can you see the cells in, 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 in this growth and in this tumor? And they said, yes, we can. He goes, okay. And he puts his hands on the man and he begins to pray. And he prays a very simple prayer. He prayed, Lord let your Holy Ghost flow through this man in such a way that it destroys this devilish disease. And then he said, what do you see? And the doctors begin to gasp. They said, we see the cells of his body actually changing and moving and forming and responding to your words. Where there had been dried up dead cells that are coming back alive, we don't know how to explain this. And Mr. Lake looked at the scientists and he said, gentlemen, this is God's Holy Ghost science. We serve a God that is outside of the realm of everything that we can understand. And I'm glad. If we could figure him out, we wouldn't need him to be God, would we? We are gonna look here in the book of Acts 
And let me, let me just say this real quick. I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought, as you can tell. <laughs> the book of Acts. You know that when Luke was writing this, he didn't call it the Acts of the Apostles. It was the Bible translators that called it the Acts of the Apostles. And that's really not the best name for the book because it's not just the Acts of the Apostles. It's the Acts of the Holy Ghost. It's the Acts, A-C-T-S, the Acts, the deeds, the moving, the working of the Holy Spirit through his church. It wasn't, if you read the book, you can see that it's not just the apostles that were seeing miracles, that were seeing healings, that were seeing God do amazing things. It was the church. It was God's people. And the book of Acts has not ended. The physical book that we have bound in our Bible comes to an end. But the Acts of the Holy Spirit has never ended. So this morning, I wanna look at just a few scriptures in Acts chapter 10, and I wanna look at four things that we can see that will help us get the desired result that we want to see. And the desired result is seeing the Holy Spirit fall in power. Anybody wanna see a demonstration of the power of God? Okay. I'm doing my Sam Fisher here. Anybody, raise your hand. Raise your hand. I love you, Sam. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna start in Acts chapter 10, starting in verse one. Now there was a man, a Caesarea, named Cornelius, <coughs> a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort, a devout man and one who feared God with all of his household and gave many alms, that's money, gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. About the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come in and said to him, Cornelius. First thing I want you to see and I want you to understand, and I want you to recognize that visions, dreams, visitations from God are not weird. In fact, they should be expected. We should have an expectation of connecting with God in a very, very real way. All of us as children of God should have the expectation of hearing from God, receiving from God, receiving from the Holy Spirit. And yes, of course, we receive from the word of God. Thank God for the word of God. I love, I love the word. I really do. I do not go a day. If if I go a day without reading the Bible, I feel weird. It just kind of gets on me. I want to get in the word. And God speaks to us through the word. But do you know, even at times when I'm in the word, man, God can start to show me a vision. He can start to show me things. I pray every morning, I I pray this prayer, Lord, this is my food, this is my life. 
Lord, the word says that the spirit searches the deep things of God and he reveals them unto us. Reveal to me today, Lord, what you have for me today. And there's life in here. And I thank God for the word. And I thank God for good preaching because you can hear from God while God is speaking through a man. But there's times when it's just you and him and he just wants to show you something. He just wants to give you something. I know I slurred that, don't giggle. <laughs> I just happened to be looking at teenagers when I did it and they all went. <laughs> Thank you for keeping me humble. There's times that God shows us things in dreams. My wife is a dreamer. Very regularly she wakes up and God has given her something in a dream that gives us direction, gives us clarity, shows us how to pray. Of course, I tell her that God has to speak to her in dreams because she won't be quiet at any other time. So he can only get her while she's asleep. <laughs> I live in the hole. But God wants to speak to you through dreams, through visions, through visitations, don't make it weird. Don't think it's weird. How do we not do that? That's not the goal. You understand that the vision and the visitation or the dream is not the goal. We don't seek visions. We don't seek visitations. We seek God. And however God chooses to speak to you, we accept it and we allow him to minister to us. That way, we don't run around just trying to have a vision. Ooh, I saw an angel. Oh, I saw this. Hey, I understand a lot of people that say that they see things are probably crazy. Probably on drugs. But do you know that the enemy is always trying to counterfeit what God has? If the enemy would go so far as to counterfeit a vision to somebody, why don't you think that God wants to give his children something real? Is that okay? All right. So it's an expected part of Christian life. We don't make an idol out of it. We don't run around just seeking the supernatural. We seek our super God. And if we seek our super God, the supernatural will come along. Lisa, when Lisa and I, were, we were in college, there was a church close to where we were that a lot of the students from our college, they were going and they were visiting this church because there was a lady preaching there and, and uh, dove's feathers were appearing on the stage. And a lot of the, the students were running to see this. But you know what pops up in my heart? The Pharisees looked at Jesus and said, give us a sign. Give us a sign that, that, that you're from God. Show me something. And Jesus said, it's an evil and adulterous generation that looks for a sign. Not looking for a sign, I'm looking for Jesus. I'm not trying to find a sign. I'm following the Holy Spirit. But if you follow the Holy Spirit, signs will show up. Now, just to finish that story, the lady wound up being a fake somehow, was pulling them out of her shirt and throwing them up in the air and going, ooh, look. 
And I think if it's, it's going to be God, why can't the whole dove show up? <laughs> Not just the feather, right? Amen. So we don't, we don't chase after things. We chase after God. And if we chase after God, things will happen. But the things that happen will never contradict the word of God. So know the word. Okay? Know the word. If it makes you uncomfortable, what does the word say? Because I'm promising you, everything that makes you feel uncomfortable, some of it might be God. God's made me feel very uncomfortable at times. But he won't contradict his word. He'll never contradict his word. All right, let's move on. In Acts chapter 10, verse 4. And fixing his gaze on him and being much alarmed, he said, this is Cornelius, he said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms, that's once again, that's your monetary giving, have ascended as a memorial before God. So here's the second thing that I want you to see. God hears your prayers. Did it say that God heard his prayers? God hears your prayers and he sees your giving. Okay, so now I have two points that are making you feel uncomfortable. It's okay. I'll, I'll make it up with the last two, all right? God hears your prayers and watches your giving. It's not the amount that God is so concerned about. It's the heart, okay? In Luke 21, the story is told of Jesus, says, and he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw a poor widow putting in two small copper coins. And he said, truly I say to you, this poor widow put more in than all of them. For they all out of their surplus put into the offering. But she out of her poverty put in all that she had to live on. It's important to God. Let, un, un, understand what I'm saying here. As a pastor, and as Pastor Sam is up here, if we did not love you, we would never say anything about this. Because it's a lot easier not to say anything about it. It's a lot less uncomfortable for you and uncomfortable for us. But it's important to God. Therefore, we love you enough to bring this subject up and to teach you on the subject of giving. God wants you to be set free from fear Amen. and selfishness. And the number one way that we get free from fear and from selfishness is by giving. Right. It really is. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, I just can't afford to give. Really? I, I, I've had people come to me and they say, I'm, I'm, I'm praying. And, and it just doesn't feel like God's hearing my prayers. God's not answering my prayers. I'm, well, let's, let's stop and think about it for a minute. Are you in sin? Well, no, I don't think so. Are you in unforgiveness? Well, no, I don't, I don't think so. 
Well, has God told you to do something and, and you haven't done it? Well, I, I don't think so. Are you faithful with your giving? Well, now preacher. I think God understands. Now, we wouldn't say that with the first one, would we? Are you in sin? Well, you know, this lady moved in next door and she's really hot, so I'm carrying on this affair, but I think God understands. So why do we pull that out over here? Oh, God understands. God does understand. God loves you. He really, really does, but this is so important to God. It's so important to God. In fact, he said in Malachi 3.8, now this is God speaking. This is not a preacher speaking. This is God speaking. Will a man rob God? Yet you're robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Now, Robert Morris, who's the pastor of Gateway Church in, in Dallas, tells this great story in, in his uh, uh, Blessed Life series. And I just, wanna, I just wanna throw this out there for you. He was, he had a friend that had gone to Mexico and was doing some ministry. And there was a time when, when, when the, the American pastor was being driven by a Mexican pastor to the next town. And they had to go through some, some desolate parts. And somehow, the subject of giving and money and tithing all came up. And the Mexican pastor told the American pastor, well, I haven't been faithful in my tithing, but I think God understands. And the American pastor said, whoa, 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 stop the car, stop the car, stop the car, stop the car, stop the car. And he got out and he told uh, the Mexican pastor, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna walk the rest of the way. And he said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. This is, this is, this is a bad area that we're in. Uh, you're very likely to be robbed out here. And the American pastor looked at him and said, I would rather take my chances with a man who will rob another man than with a man who would rob God. Now, that may be a little bit, you know, I don't know if I would have said that. I can be kind of direct. I don't know if I'd have actually put it that way. But when we rob God of offerings, we're really robbing him of the chance to bless us in ways that we don't even recognize. I used to travel with, with an evangelist. Lisa and I traveled with an evangelist before we had kids. Our kids messed up everything. <laughs> and his name was R.W. Schambach. And when, when Brother Schambach was a young minister, he traveled with an evangelist. And the evangelist that he traveled with name was A.A. Allen. And Brother Schambach used to tell this story about when he was with Brother Allen. There was one night that they were, they were doing ministry and they would set up these big tents that, that held 10,000 people and people would all come out to the tent and they would do at the end, they would pray for everybody. So they would do what they, were, what they called a moving prayer line. People would just walk in front of the ministers and they would lay hands on them and pray for them. And this lady who was blind in one eye came up in front of uh, Brother Allen. Brother Allen goes to lay his hands on him and he stops and he said, ma'am, I am so sorry. 
the Lord has just told me I cannot pray for you. He said, that, that embarrasses me, but the Lord has told me I cannot pray for you. And the lady, and just walks off. Well, the next night they're doing the same thing. And the lady comes up again. And when you're praying for 10,000 people, you don't always recognize people. He's laying hands on people. And this lady comes up again. He starts to lay his hands on her and he stops. And he goes, ma'am, you're the lady from last night. The Lord has just told me I cannot pray for you. She gets mad and she walks off again. Third night, she's persistent. She comes up through the line again. This time he recognizes her. And he said, lady, I don't know what's going on between you and God, but the Lord will not let me pray for you. And she looks him in the eye. She puts her head up and she goes, okay, God, I'll tithe. And her eye popped open. God is not after your money. He's after your heart. Amen. Hear that. So often, money and things have our heart. God doesn't want anything to have our heart but him. We don't always see what the enemy is up to, but God does. And prayers and offerings keep us right in the sweet spot of God's grace and mercy. Third thing I want you to see here is that God is always working behind the scenes. God is always working behind the scenes. In verse five, we see that the, the angel told Cornelius to send a group of guys to the next town over and find Peter and bring Peter back because Peter was gonna have a word for them. At the same time, we see a little bit further down in verse nine that Peter has fallen into a trance. And this word trance means a throwing off of the mind from its normal state. Peter was out of his mind. It's where I get the title of my sermon, Are You Out of Your Mind? Because sometimes we gotta get out of our head. Sometimes we have to get out of our thinking to, to truly get what it is that God wants to say to us. God was messing with Peter's theology at this moment. He was changing the way he was thinking at this moment. And if he hadn't have had that moment where he was out of his thinking mind, where God was doing the thinking for him and God was showing him things, he would not have been prepared for what came next. Because when he came out of the trance, it says in verse 19, while Peter was reflecting on the vision, the spirit said to him, behold, three men are looking for you. Three men that before he had the vision, he'd have never gone with because they weren't Jewish. Three men are looking for you, but get up, go downstairs accompanying them without misgivings for I have sent them myself. We've got to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. Be in tune with the Holy Spirit when you're in need. Be in tune with the Holy Spirit when others are in need. When my oldest daughter, Elise, was at Christ for the Nations, she got the, the privilege and the honor of learning faith because <laughs> she got to pay for most of her school herself. And she also had to pay for a mission trip 
Because to graduate, you had to have a summer credit. And she, she had to go on a mission trip. So being, you know, being dad, I was like, okay, you got to go on a trip. Let's look at these trips. Look, there's one going to Miami. It only costs $500. That's a good one, right? No. Being led of the Spirit. She picked about the most expensive one that she could go on. Going to the UK. She needed a lot of money. A whole lot of money. And we knew she needed a whole lot of money. All of our prayer lives went up. As we're praying for God to provide for her and this trip. And I have been proud of this child many times in her life. Many, many times. I mean, she loves Jesus. Oh, I love getting around her because she loves Jesus. But I've been proud of her when she was the homecoming queen. I've been proud of her when she was the valedictorian of her class. But up until that moment, and I'm proud of her now, she's a great mom and a great wife. But up until that moment, I had never been more proud of her than this morning that she called me and she said, Dad, I know that I need to have some money to put on my trip, but I just got my paycheck and I believe the Lord's telling me to give the whole thing away to somebody else. Now that's tough when you have a need. When you feel in need yourself, but you feel that pressing of the Holy Spirit and you've got to get out of your mind for a moment because your mind will talk you out of that. I need this. This is for me. But she got out of her mind just enough to hear the Holy Spirit say, give it away. And she called me up and said, I'm not crazy, am I, Daddy? I said, you do it. You do it. And she gave it away to somebody else. And within 48 hours... Everybody listen to this, because this is the type of God that we serve. Within 48 hours, she got back four times what she had given. God was working. God was working behind the scenes on her behalf, but she had to join in faith with him. Okay? God didn't need her money. He just needed her heart. Here's another crazy story. I read this one. There was a man, Jesus-loving man, going into a, a convenience store one morning, getting him a big gulp or a cup of coffee or whatever people do in convenience stores in the morning. And the Holy Spirit spoke up to his heart and he said, stand on your head. I don't know who you're talking to, Lord. So he begins to argue, Lord, that, that, that doesn't even make any sense. Uh, can, can you, they, they don't mop these floors, Lord. <laughs> and the Lord said, stand on your head and do it now. And it came across so strong. Oh, okay, okay. So he got down and he got on his head. And right when he got on his head, a man came around the corner, saw him and burst into tears. This man had just been outside saying, God, I'll believe in you when a guy is standing on his head inside of this store. God is always working behind the scenes. God is always working behind the scenes. So just connect with what the Lord is saying and what the Lord is doing and everything will work out the way that we want it to, all right? And here's the fourth thing that I want you to see and we're gonna wrap it up real quick. The Holy Spirit will show up. 
the Holy Spirit will show up. The gospel has and always will be the good news about Jesus. You believe that? In Acts 10, 38, I quote this scripture a lot. Acts 10, 38, and this is Peter. When he, he, came, he came to Cornelius' house and he begins to preach to him. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. God was with him. It's not really part of the message, but let me park for just a second, okay? Jesus, anointed of the Holy Spirit. If Jesus needed the anointing of the Holy Spirit, guess what you need? The anointing of the Holy Spirit, right? And also I want you to see that the Bible says that sickness is an oppression of the devil. Okay? Don't try to say, well, God gave me this to teach me something. If God has to give you sickness to teach you something, you've missed it a long way. Because God paid a very big price for your healing. That's not really what I want to talk about this morning, though. I want you to see that when Jesus is exalted and the Holy Spirit is honored, that things happen. In verse 44, it says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Holy Spirit fell. Tell you a quick little story. We're going to wrap it up. A few years ago, I was teaching down in Rusk. Used to be a little Bible college down there, and they would have me come in and teach. And there was a couple of subjects that I taught each year. And for the first several years that I was doing this, all of the students were what you would think of as Bible school students. They were people there actually preparing for the ministry. And it was a lot of fun because I love pouring into leaders in the kingdom. I love helping people who are, are called and their heart is to go after kingdom work, do kingdom things. But Lisa and I went in this this one year and the landscape had changed. The people looked different. And I'm okay with people looking different. But in the previous years, you would have probably seen, you know, some khakis and a shirt and looked like little Bible students. They all had their Bibles and This year, there was a lot of piercings, there was a lot of tattoos, a lot of things. Didn't bother me, didn't bother me at all. But I start into this teaching. Once again, I taught the same thing every year. So I start into this teaching. And I get about 20, 25 minutes into this teaching and this big guy stands up. This big, bald guy stands up right over here on my right. He was the only one sitting over here. Everybody else is kind of sitting right around here. He's sitting back here by himself, so I'm wondering about him anyway. And he stands up and he interrupts me. How rude. He says, preacher, 
everything you're saying is real good, but I just got a text that there was another crack baby born in my neighborhood. I wanna know, how's what you're saying gonna change that baby's life and change my neighborhood? And I went, oh Jesus, dear God. What do you say in that moment? And I to this day really don't remember, I don't know what I said. I did, I prayed on the inside and I just said, God, this one's yours, Holy Spirit, I need you. And I started walking back there towards him. The closer I got, the bigger he got. <laughs> and I started pouring out my heart for Jesus and for people to him. And in just a few minutes, I was crying, he was crying, and the whole atmosphere had changed. I was lifting up Jesus, and I was honoring the Holy Spirit, and God came and he fell on that class. I was getting nowhere with these people before that, but the moment that the enemy tried to disrupt and we dealt with it in the love of Jesus, it changed everything, everything. We had a break and I found out what had changed that they didn't tell me. This was no longer a Bible school, it was a place where they were working with, with people who were on parole. As part of their parole, they had to be involved in a community outreach. And the church had gotten in there and grabbed some of these people and part of their community outreach was you had to sit through Bible classes. And this fellow had just been paroled. He'd spent the last 17 years in prison for murder. And God didn't care. God just wanted his heart. When we came back from the break, guess where he's sitting, boing. And I said, let's, let's just pull our, our chairs around. There wasn't that many of them. Let's just pull our chairs around. And the Holy Spirit began to move on these people. And I began to talk to them about destiny and calling. They didn't need the stuff that I was teaching. That, that, was, that was ministry, deep level stuff. They just needed to know that Jesus loved them, that it was okay. Everything was good. They were called. They were purposed in the kingdom. And I just began to look at them and go, God has called you to this. And I looked at that big old guy and I said, you want to know why your heart hurts so bad? Because you're called to be an evangelist. You hurt for those streets. You hurt for those kids. And he starts weeping again. It's amazing what happens when we let the Holy Spirit just take over. Well, God, you're messing up my class. Before it was all over, this same guy who had challenged me, he's got this sheepish look in his face and he's hanging his head and he goes, preacher, I don't know what this means. He goes, this is the weirdest thing I have ever asked another man. He goes, I just feel like I'm supposed to go get a, a bucket of water and pour it on your feet. He wanted to wash my feet. Remember how Jesus washed the feet of the disciples? Just like that, God had changed his heart. 
Just like that, he began to hear. Just like that, he began to see. That's what happens when we let the Holy Spirit have his way. So this is what I want you to know. Communication with the Holy Spirit is not weird, it is expected. God wants your heart. Sometimes the the way he gets our heart is through giving. The Holy Spirit is always working behind the scenes to bless you or to use your gifting. So stay in tune with him. And when you honor the Holy Spirit, he will show up in great power and do great things. Would you bow your heads with me?